Hello, and welcome back to Instant Insights. Today, I'll be talking to Steve Blitz, the Chief US Economist at TS Lombard. Steve, it's great to have you back for your fourth appearance on the podcast. Um, I really think you should start charging us for this now. But anyway, how are you doing? I am doing fine. I am doing fine. But in the Christmas spirit, I will forego my charge for this particular time, and we'll take that up uh, in the spring. That's ever so kind. We'll um, I'll wait for the invoice. <laughs> awesome. Right. Uh, let's get straight into it then. So sure. um, first thing I want to ask you about is debt sustainability in the US. Um, the Fed funds rate is at its highest level since 2001. How worried are you about US debt sustainability? Well, I think um, obviously you're talking about federal debt and um, it's, it's obviously very high. Uh, interest on the debt is high, but let's be clear, it was higher in the early 1990s uh, as a percent of GDP and as a percent of the budget than it is right now. So in terms of the cost of carrying the debt, it's not really a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not what it's meant to be. So then the question really becomes twofold. There's sort of a broader macro point about government debt, which is that the debt shouldn't be growing faster or the cost of carrying that debt really shouldn't be growing faster than nominal GDP, right? And as long as it's not, you know, not necessarily every year, but as long as it's not over time, um, and uh, then that's not really a problem. And so we really shouldn't get too worked up about the sustainability issue. But at some point, like, it can start to grow faster. Compound interest, you know, it's wonderful when you're earning it and it's not so good when you're paying it. And so it becomes problematic. Now, you should never really raise taxes to pay down debt because all you're really doing is transferring money from one pocket to the other, right, in effect. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really not necessarily the best move in the world. Um, and... Um, but I think the, the point I'm trying to, I want to hone in on is this. What is the debt for, right? In other words, what, what, what are you borrowing as a nation, as a person? What are you borrowing for, right? If you have to borrow money to pay for lunch every day or get to work, then you're really in an unsustainable position, right? But if you're borrowing money to buy a house, right? That is a sustainable position because you're getting this big asset on the other side. And then, you know, hopefully your income, et cetera, you can you can carry the the mortgage over the lifetime that you're in the house. So with governments, it's the same way. Are you borrowing for capital? Are you borrowing to expand the productive capacity of the nation and hence create higher future inc- higher income going forward? And herein lies the problem with the federal government. Um, you can assign that debt arbitrarily, right? Uh, to say, well, we're borrowing for Medicare, Medicaid, et cetera. We're not really yet borrowing for Social Security, which we don't have time to get into, but it is a trust fund where there's money. So let's keep that aside. Uh, for the moment, you, you could say we're borrowing for um, defense, Right. In other words, if I look at the amount of the debt that we're paying and I take out the defense, 
it kind of goes one to one and we're actually in balance on the other stuff. So um, to get a real understanding, and I know this sounds like a big punt, but it is the holiday season. Um, it really depends. It, it would really help if the federal government did what every state and local government does and what every firm does. You should have an operational budget. You should have a capital budget. The operational budget should be paid for out of current income. The capital budget is generally paid for out of either, well, for a company, either equity or debt. Um, and, uh, and if you do that, then now you can assign the debt to the capital and then you can begin to understand whether or not uh, this stuff makes sense in terms of what you're getting into debt for and whether it is going to produce the income down the road that you expect, right? Now, in the past, that was always a hard asset, right? Like in the mid-50s, they built out the interstate highway system, which, by the way, they did not tax for, and they and they paid for it theoretically down the line with the highway trust fund, which was basically gasoline taxes. And that was the only way Eisenhower could get to fund it with the Republican Congress. Um, today, it's more, it's you know, people argue different things. Well, if we're borrowing money to educate people, if we're borrowing money to do things like that, we are increasing the productive capacity of the nation going forward. True, I suppose. Um, but increasingly what we're doing is giving money away, uh, not necessarily spending it, but either spending in terms of a transfer at lower taxes. If you go back to the Republican Trump tax cuts, um, if you think of things like that, you were cutting taxes to generate increased capital investment by firms in the U.S. to therefore produce jobs, et cetera, right? Right. So that's a very long answer to a to a short question, but I'm not worried about the sustainability issue until the cost of that debt starts accelerating faster. And I don't mean over in a year or two, but over time starts accelerating faster than nominal GDP. And uh, as long as things are in line, you know, if if nominal economy is growing at five percent. And 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 your the interest on your debt is three percent. You're fine, mm. you know. I'm and, until we're not right, and then uh, so th there are structural issues with aging, etc. About paying for all of this out of the budget going forward, and this is one of the arguments why government wants to reshore and do things to try and raise real incomes and, and get and raise up the path of real income growth because that not inflation rises in real income is what narrows the deficit in forward years i see i see that's really interesting thank you steve for the for the explanation there so it's clear that it's not all you don't have to follow the hype it's not as bad as it seems uh that's what no, i'm hearing from steve it doesn't there. it doesn't mean it can't get bad but we're not greece you know, no. and, and it's 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 always and even they seem to have worked it out, didn't they? But like people would say, say, oh, my gosh, the interest on the debt would pay more on the interest on the debt than we are in defense. Well, guess what? We've been paying more on interest on the debt than defense since 1974. So 
you know, at various times that spread was wider and narrower, but we haven't been spending more in defense than interest on the debt since the mid 1970s. All right. Mm -hmm. So as I would say, next concern. Next concern. Well, I've, next got, concern. I've got another one for you. I'm about to ask about your next ones because All right. as we sort of mentioned uh, off the podcast, it is prediction season right now. So yes, it is. I'd yes, love to know is. what you think is going to happen in 2024. We're seeing some analysts predict a recession. Are you? Do you agree with this? I I think I think the economy is going to avoid recession, but that doesn't mean like it's not going to feel like one. And I think we're going to, in the first half of the year, I think growth is going to be maybe 0.3% in real terms. I think the unemployment rate gets up to 4.5%. And I think one of the things that keeps it more mild than sort of, I mean, first of all, 08, 09 is not the normal recession, right? And I think for a lot of listeners, that's the only recession they've really lived through in terms of their adult, you know, their professional lives. but this is uh, that that's a once every 40 year kind of event. Right. It's not a, every recessions like that. Um, you know, a one ninety one ninety two are more typical. So I think that um, this will be more like that or even milder. And I think it's going to be milder because the Fed really in this coming year is not going to accept uh, recession. And as long as inflation is trending lower and inflation is under 4%, which it seems to be now on a run rate, uh, they're happy to sit on the shelf here. You know, they've got a two, three-year runway until inflation gets down to 2%, right? The last steps that we got, we'll get new ones next week, but the last steps we got were back at, uh, they didn't have 2% inflation until 2026. So with that long runway, um, they're looking at the current year and, you know, you read their what they're doing. Uh, they are much more biased against uh, recession than they are than anything else. Right. And so if they see the economy begin to wobble, uh, they'll come in and ease fairly quickly um, and and get rates down probably below four percent. Uh, the funds rate, I mean, they could probably drop the funds rate now 100 basis points given the current run rate uh, on inflation and still claim that they're being um, restrictive. So uh, mild recession because the Fed's going to come to the rescue. And, and rather than an overhang of debt, which we had in 08, 09, which causes a long, a long runway for uh, recovery, we have an overhang of liquidity and they're going to let that liquidity go. And, you know, cause once they drop real rates at the short end, that money that's being held back starts entering into the system and you're just going to get a lift. And, you know, that's going to be an inflation problem. And that's a 20 late 24, more likely 2025 problem, but they'll deal with that then. So uh mild recession followed by recovery, because the Fed's going to get in there pretty quickly and and react uh, accordingly. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, that's a really interesting take. Um, finally, I just want to ask you about interest rates, of course. Uh, December, we've got an FOMC meeting coming up. Right. What can you see happening? What is going to take us into the new year? 
Well, I, I could see, given it's a mid-December meeting, that they'll probably have some cookies and some champagne at the <laughs> FOMC and sort of toast themselves and toast to the new year and congratulate themselves on, on a job well done. Um, I'm not sure how great of a job they've really done. Um, but in any event, um, I don't ex- – first of all, they're not hiking. They're, they're done hiking. Um, and I think that the, they're really much more biased to ease than to hike. And that's one of the reasons they bellow even more. You know, there's an old story, an old saying that the tougher they talk, the easier they are, the easier they talk, the tougher they are. And they, they're talking tough. But when you look at what they're actually doing, they're fairly easy. And uh, they're not easy yet in terms of the level of the funds rate relative to inflation. But they recognize that. And they're poised to ease. They'll hold where they are now for the moment. Um, but let's say we get a negative number on employment in, uh, on Friday. Uh, and I'm not predicting one, but I'm just saying as a for instance, if we get a negative number, boy, you're going to see they won't ease in December, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to ease at the next meeting if the December employment numbers follows on with another negative. Right. And I think, you know, we got the question earlier, wondering whether or not how we, how I'm different, how we're different uh, from consensus and consent on the fed. And the, the consensus on the fed is that growth continues, but inflation continues to work its way lower. And as it works its way down, the spread between inflation and the funds rate grows and it grows to a point where the Fed has to adjust the funds rate down just to keep real rates constant. And the real rates being the spread between the nominal rate and the inflation rate. So they need to kind of keep that down. So it's a very benign uh, environment, right? And, and um, I don't think that's how it's going to work at all. I think there's going to be recessionary type data that's going to scare the fed and they're going to cut and cut sooner and earlier in the year. Uh, and like I said, they'll get the funds rate under 4%. And then um, second half of the year, because you do have this mountain of liquidity behind us, this mountain of liquidity just gets unleashed and it'll go into housing. It'll go into equities and whatnot. And, and off we go in the second half of the year. So um, that's 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 it in a nutshell. Um, yeah, sounds good. And, and, a, and, a, and a chestnut, right? That's <laughs> chestnuts roasting on an open fire. <laughs> there we go. We needed to get a Christmas pun in here, of course, for our, for our last one of the year. And <laughs> thank you, well, I, I try. I I try. Yeah, we need it. We need the humor. That's perfect. <laughs> um, so there we, we have it. We have the terminal rate sort of being reached, and we're not going to see any hikes at this next meeting. So no. thank you very much, Steve. And you're very yeah, welcome. Thank you, Steve, for those instant insights. And from us at Global Data for Mass Intelligence, goodbye, and we'll see you all next time. 